This is Jessica Pate, your host for Brave Together podcast. I am here to serve, encourage, and inspire you in your journey as a special needs mom. This is your tribe. This is your community, your place to be reminded that you are not alone. Please follow along as I share stories, inspiration, and resources just for you. Hi, friends. I am so happy to have my friend and licensed marriage and family therapist, Samantha Mori, with us today. Today is episode 37, and we are going to talk about shame and guilt. You might be thinking, why? Why are you talking about that? This is a special needs podcast. But there is nothing I want more for moms than to walk in wholeness and peace and grace and freedom and be free from any unhealthy or unnecessary guilt and also shame that can really imprison us. I've heard her speak on this topic before. She came to one of our support groups and it was well loved and received. And so I thought, let's turn it into a podcast episode for you. Samantha Mori, like I said, she's a licensed marriage and family therapist. She got her master's in marriage and family therapy from Hope International University. She works with the Center for Individual and Family Therapy in Torrance, California. Samantha is called to sit with women and couples as they work to address the broken pieces in their lives and climb toward healing and wholehearted living. She's been married for 23 years to her best friend and beloved husband and together parent two teen daughters. Samantha enjoys s'mores at the fire pit, making pajamas for family and friends, and cuddling, watching a Hallmark movie, which always has a good predictable ending. Welcome, Sam. Thank you so much, Jess. Good to see you. Um, Also, I just want to say this fun little fact about Sam and I is that we share the same wedding date and year, and it's very special. 23 years sounds like an accomplishment right now. Just, I don't mean that in a weird pride way. It's just like 23 years. How does that happen? Yeah, I know. It makes us sound way older than we really are. We must have gotten married at like 17, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, we did. (laughs) Uh, and I, I've known Sam for a long time, and she is a gifted therapist. And let's just jump into the topic of of shame and guilt. And I think let's just start with the basics. What's the difference between the two? I think sometimes people confuse it or use them interchangeably, but they are very different. Yes, I agree. So many people have asked me, well, what is the difference? What is shame? Shame is a bit of a hot button word. This maybe last five to 10 years, if you're familiar with Brene Brown, she has really made it um, kind of center stage for a lot of people who love to read those kinds of books. Um, so for further reference, anybody can read anything from Brene Brown. But really shame, the way that I describe the difference between shame and guilt is simply guilt is I did and shame is I am. So I did something bad versus I am bad. Those are highly different things, highly. The way we wear that, the way we move forward in that, the way we live in that. And people need to understand that so they know how to treat it, how to deal with it. So that's my favorite definition. Simply, guilt is I did and shame is I am. So again, guilt is 
you've done something wrong. Shame is saying my whole self is wrong. Yeah, it goes several layers deeper. Uh, What I hear from moms about guilt, one area is that they feel guilty grieving about their their child or about their story. They feel like it's taking away from the beauty that they do see in their child or that grieving means that I don't hold out hope for the best for my child or that grieving means I don't have faith. If you are someone who follows a belief system and and you feel that grieving says, well, I don't, I don't trust God or I don't trust source universe, whatever it is for you personally. I hear that moms feel guilty about grief because they didn't, they didn't lose their child. They lost a dream. And there's, there's a difference there between grieving somebody who's gone and somebody who's in front of you. And so moms will say they feel guilty about that. Well, I think I first would love to address the whole idea of grief. Um, Grief is, I believe, a really misunderstood emotional process. And I think that we need to understand grief as, so typically most of us agree that grief involves around five things, right? We've got anger, we've got denial, we've got depression, and then we have bargaining. Bargaining is like, if only I did this, or God, if you heal my child, then I'll love you forever, or some sort of bargaining. And then lastly, acceptance. But grief doesn't occur in a linear line where we go through anger, and then we're going to go through depression, and then we're going to go through this. And someone's like, okay, tell me how to get on the grief train so I can get to acceptance. It doesn't work that way. Grief is very fluid. Sometimes we're angry. The next day we might be depressed. The next day we might not be depressed. We go back to anger or the next day we go to bargaining. And then maybe the next day we kind of feel like we have this little window into acceptance, but then the next day we're angry. And then we're like, oh, I'm so lame. I'm not I'm not accepting. And we take all of the acceptance that we just found away. And it's not fair to us when we treat it that way, when we treat ourselves that way. So if we can understand that grieving is a fluid process that goes back and forth and back and forth, I think that allows for a little more grace for whatever it is that we are grieving. Okay, whatever that is, either that's the loss of a child or working through a child that has disabilities and the daily struggle that that brings, fill in the blank. And this whole comparing grief business that people do, well, I should be okay because at least my child's here. That is the biggest waste of time because comparing our grief to each other gets us nowhere. Some people says, well, it helps with my perspective. Well, yeah, but then the next day when you're grieving over your circumstances again, now you feel guilt and shame. So it's useless to compare each other's grief and pain. That gets us absolutely nowhere. We all have a story. We're all grieving something and it's and it all counts. It's not in measures. So I just wanted to kind of set that up first that understanding grief is is really valuable. I so appreciate that because um 
that's definitely going to be the topic in one of our workshops. It's definitely uh, for 2021, and it's it's a topic that comes up very often. And what I always say is that grief is in special needs motherhood is not linear, but it's it's rather cyclical because we go through different seasons, and our kids hit different milestones or they don't. And you see their siblings do or their peers do or other family members do. And it hits the grief buttons and it's okay. There's no expectation for you ever to be over it, air quotes, with the truth of your child's disability or challenges or struggles. Because you're a mother, we're mothers, and we ache for our kids. We ache for our kids and their struggles. And it comes up and it goes down. I call it the wave. I'm feeling the wave. Oh, I feel the wave again. Yes. Yeah. No, I appreciate that you call it that. I actually call it that with a client that I have who also has a child with severe disabilities. And you can imagine how difficult, well, you know how difficult 2020 has been with all the changes. And every week uh, she's in a different phase of grief. And we just ride those waves together. And it's an unconditional acceptance of whatever stage she's in. And that's how she's getting through. I like that, Sam, what you just said, unconditional acceptance of whatever phase. We need to practice that. Be kind to ourselves. Another area that I hear moms say they feel guilty about is engaging in self-care practices. Taking any kind of a mommy break, they feel like all their time should be devoted to their family and that it's selfish for them to engage in self-care practices. I always say, you're not doing anything wrong. You, you didn't do anything wrong. Stop and ask yourself, did I do something wrong? A- am I being immoral by prayer or meditation and having a few moments alone or going for a walk or whatever it is that brings a sense of peace and calm that sustains you? If that helps you be a better caregiver and sustain you for the long haul of caregiving, why, why should you feel guilty about that, right? So, and, and it can also just be guilt if, if they have, let's forget 2020, not being able to do what we normally do, but, you know, having hobbies and interests outside the family that give you fulfillment or a little side hustle or whatever. Moms will say they feel so guilty. How can we be free of that? How can we encourage moms to be free of that? Yeah, that's the operative word, right? Be free of that. (laughs) Wouldn't that be amazing? I wonder if if it's more about like, how can we find some relief in that until it sneaks up again, right? Um, But (laughs) because, you know, sneaks up. But, you know, I'm thinking of several things. Um, But one, one concept that I have noticed in my practice is when I'm working with somebody who I would categorize as a pleaser, like that imprint of a pleaser who's always giving and they kind of give out a guilt, you know, well, if I don't do this, I'm going to feel guilty. And if I don't do this, then I won't feel good. So I do this actually to keep my own anxiety at bay. Um, What I have seen, Jess, is something that I call the pleaser crash where these people get to a place where they're like, forget it. (laughs) And they fall apart. 
either emotionally, psychologically, physically, things start to show up in their bodies and they crash. I've seen it in marriages where the pleaser spouse is like, forget it. I'm over it. And, and I, I can't even rescue this marriage. They're so done. And so I think that's just my warning flag to all of you pleasers and over caregivers. If you don't find ways to care for self, this will not go well with you later and the person you're trying to care for. So it's a bigger picture than that present guilt you're feeling at that time. This is trying to fill the pot that is always going to need to be filled, filling your own pot, like you said, to make you uh, well enough to keep giving. So I'm just warning people from that pleaser crash because that is another level of help that you'll need at that point. And there's no need to get to that point. So true. So true. Another area that I see moms carrying guilt And I don't know what this is like, and this breaks my heart when I hear moms share this, that they feel guilty that they somehow caused their child's disorder when there's a genetic component where if you were the carrier and you feel guilty, you know, you travel during your pregnancy, whatever things that moms will say, I must have done this. That's really heavy. Help me know what to say. What do we share with those moms that feel like they're somehow at fault? You know, as as Jess, you know, I, I don't have a child with special needs or disabilities, but I did lose several babies before I, you know, finally had the two living that I have. And I had a little bit of a taste of that kind of feeling because it was my issue that kept um, losing the babies. And it was quite an interesting thing to carry. But I think I can share personally for me, what was sort of a shift for me was finally accepting the reality that we live in a fallen world in fallen bodies period. No matter what our faith is, no matter what our structure is of how we see the world, our worldview, we have imperfect bodies in an imperfect world. And that is the system of which we live in, no matter what we think or feel about that. And I think that took a bit of the pressure off of me um, and sort of brought in, just like in that grief, those five steps, a little bit more acceptance so I think, I think it's about kind of switching the frame of which you're seeing it and living under that guilt just really puts such a strain on the system, the greater system. It becomes so unnecessary. And that weight, you know, like I said before, can affect us in so many different emotional, emotional ways, physical ways, psychological ways. That's a real thing. Um, so I think it's about kind of switching the way you see it. And putting that in that grief process, how can I get closer and closer to accepting that this is my story and this is what I have been invited to live out? I like the way you say things, Samantha. This is what I've been invited to live out. One more area of guilt, and then we'll we'll move on to shame, is that, and I know I've experienced this personally, is there's so much stress and trauma in parenting Ryan through the years, 
it's up and down. The stress is kind of daily for years and years and years, just worrying, worrying, worrying how it was impacting Luke and Kate, the sibling, how it impacts them, how it has impacted them. What will they talk about in therapy someday? You know, just it's a lot to go through for families. And we just have one story. I mean, there's there's so many stories out there of medically fragile kids, moms and siblings witnessing seizures and everything else. I, you know, again, I don't want to compare because every single story and every single struggle matters, just like you said. And that's a, a core value of We Are Brave Together. I don't, it's not, I don't feel guilty in the sense that I know I did something wrong per se. I know I mis- made mistakes along the way, I'm for sure, but I, I can't ever overcompensate for what they've, they've been through. I can do my best. I can be intentional. I can make time for my marriage, make time for my kids, my other kids, but I can't ever take away the, the trauma or the stress or how it's altered our family life. Okay. And are you, you're wondering how, how do moms manage this? How do they address this in their own families? Yeah. And make peace with, yes, this impacts us all negatively, but it also makes us better human beings. Yeah, I think you said it. I think that besides the obvious that all of our listening moms already know, um, you know, the the practice of tending to each child and their various needs, not just, you know, um, the child who has more needs, making sure that you're being creative with your time and, and, um, and planning your time and all of that. I think all these moms already know that. And I remember you and I talked about this years ago, but I think the way that I'm seeing it is that this is part of their story. This is part of Kate and Luke's story. And yes, it's not one that you would have written for them, but who who says that about our lives, right? This is part of what is making them them. This is part of what is shaping them, what is making them sensitive to issues that their friends are not necessarily sensitive to. This is what is part of this greater plan that is helping make them who they are. We don't have to mess with that, right? We can't control that part. I can imagine you and Chris are so mindful of engaging and reaching for Luke and Kate in the ways that they need to be engaged, but also just letting this process shape them and knowing that you can't control that. Now, I I say that I'm not speaking from experience. I have to throw that in there. And I and I sometimes feel a little silly speaking into this subject because I cannot imagine the world that it is. But that's what I have found with the women that I work with in my practice who have that same question. That's what they're practicing every day. And I just wanted to address the the parts of guilt that are actually helpful. That guilt is can actually be utilized as a motivator in our lives. It means we have a conscience, right? If we feel guilty about something that we did wrong, this is good. <laughs> this means we have empathy. This means we have a conscience. This means we're not narcissists. So this is a good thing. We can use it as like fuel to 
what's my next move? How do I address this guilt? Do I need to apologize to somebody? Do I need to make, you know, a right or wrong? Um, do I need to forgive myself? It's a big one and a whole other podcast, but I don't want us to dismiss the usefulness of guilt. When we understand that it's guilt and not shame, guilt is good. So I want to make sure that that's understood. Thank you. Thank you. So let's talk about shame, which feels weightier and heavier, deeper. It's harder to unroot. I would guess you would probably, you know more than I do. You're a therapist. You're doing this in your practice. So let's define shame once again. Okay. So shame, totally different animal. (laughs) As you know, shame is usually, not always, but usually something that's born in our childhood. It is not something we are born with. It is something we are taught. Okay. So usually when I'm working with a client, I start poking around their childhood and I start to look for continuous narratives that they keep saying things like, I should have known better. Why do you do this? Um, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? It's always my fault. The biggest one is I am not enough. That's probably the biggest shame narrative that I come across, a sense of I am not enough. And so we we explore those origins. And usually, sadly, it's a parent that builds in that kind of message to a child um, that, that they never did something right or you should have known that. Um, that's good, but not good enough. Not as good as your brother Johnny or fill in the blank. This breeds as shame in somebody's life. Um, Not to say that as an adult, though, somebody can't have shaming experiences. A lot of times in relationships that go sour, people can experience a lot of shame from adult relationships as well. Um, So that can happen even if somebody had like the Candyland childhood. So, um, but usually if they're in my office, there's (laughs) some sort of childhood coded experience that we're trying to map out. How does it show up? What are some of the repercussions of carrying shame around that you see? Yeah, so mostly in people, I like to describe it as that there's like a sense that their wings are clipped, that they just don't really know how to really spread their wings and live fully. They 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 have some fear. They have most people with a lot of shame have anxiety, either occasional or clinical anxiety. Um, depression works its way out from shame. A lot of times people have a hard time maintaining their work. Uh, they have a hard time in relationships, fully showing up in a relationship. So all kinds of ways. Obviously, a, a great therapist is going to find that out, pinpoint that out to someone Maybe we have listeners out there and their wheels are going and they're identifying, oh, that message I got. And they're maybe acknowledging, recognizing right now that the origin of it and acknowledging that they carry a lot of shame. I know that there's not a formula, but what is a step or what are some steps to be free or to recover? Well, I'll give you a really glossed over (laughs) overview of that. 
but it's about identifying that narrative. So let's say when you peel the the layers enough, kind of the core narrative or one of them is I am not enough. What I encourage people to do either on their own or with me is we attack that narrative. We just go after it so hardcore. And every day I have them repeat the opposite, which is simple as I am enough. And for some people, they're going to attach like it's like Christians will attach scripture to it. Um, other people will attach other, maybe their favorite sayings that support this idea that, that they are enough. And it's a matter of, of repeating it over and over. And what's happening neurologically is you are creating new neural pathways in the brain that make that new thought more familiar. And if you continue to build it and you continue to build it and you continue to build it and pour into that new thought, the old one has to eventually die and it becomes like a faded shadow. But this is, this is hard work. And if you're one of my clients, I'm on you with this <laughs> and I don't let you just lazy out of it. Um, otherwise, those are, those are the results you're going to get. So that is a very short description of what part of the process is. And then, of course, processing and grieving through those memories and stories and feelings connected with how the shame got there. Therapy, therapy, therapy. It does wonders. I'm such a proponent. So anyone out there listening, if your heart is beating fast or you are crying or you are identifying with anything that we're saying and you have not yet reached out to a therapist, I highly, highly recommend it. It's really, it's painful and beautiful and it's so worth it. And Jess, this is about, I like to use the phrase, a lot of us do, this is about reparenting that younger part of us that was bruised where that shame started. This is us as adults reparenting that little person. And it's actually beautiful to watch and anybody can do it. That touches me. Just the thought of when you just think about your younger self that was hurting or feeling alone or feeling not enough or feeling afraid or feeling neglected or abandoned or abused or whatever your little girl experienced that you can go in and give her a big hug. That's exactly what it is, Jess. And even that you can show or that these listeners can hear you being touched by that, that is part of the process. Being able to have compassion for her. I mean, I have women who are hardened by her. They can't even get to her, that little girl. So that's the first part is to try to put some flesh on that little girl but you went right there and that's possible for all of us. And that's how it works. So um, I always like if there's uh, resources that we can share in our show notes or um, when we post about the episode uh, with our listeners, any great books, podcasts, anything that would be helpful if one of our moms or many of our moms out there want to address. Yes, I'm so glad you asked. I'm always spilling over with resources. So my favorite on, on this category would definitely be Brene Brown. Love 
her and she has a podcast. And my two favorite books of hers were Daring Greatly and Rising Strong. If you're going to read two books of hers, I would recommend those. If you're going to read one book, I would recommend Daring Greatly. Loved it. Um, and then the other resource um, in terms of this narrative that I talked about, you're kind of attacking that narrative. There is a woman named Dr. Caroline Leaf, and it's Leaf, L-E-A-F, spelled like the leaf. She has a whole website. She's a big wig mama jamma in my field. Um, and she created something called the 21 Day Detox. And it's pretty much the program that I just shared where you take 21 days to attack a particular narrative. And you can go to her website and she has this book called Switch on Your Brain. And you could read the book and learn about how it works. And or you can purchase her app, her 21 Day Detox app, and um, do the 21 Day experience with her. It's like a seven to 10 minute a day process. Now she is a believer. So for, she's a Christian. So for those who they're not going to be comfortable with that, you don't have to adhere to that part of it, but is it still extremely effective? So you can figure out how to work around that. Uh, but she is amazing. And my clients, I actually home make them a little 21 day detox journal and give them to them so they don't have to spend money on the app because they're already spending their money on me. So, um, so there's more than one way to do it, but um, but those would be my favorite resources. Thank you for those. Thank you so much. Good, good to be with you, Samantha. Thank you. You too. What your listeners don't know is I'm sitting here with Snoopy pajamas on and a pineapple hairdo. <laughs> How comfortable I am with Jess. I love it. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show today and we will talk again soon. Bye-bye everybody. Hey everyone. Thank you so much for listening to episode 37 on the topic of guilt. And I know that you can relate. We all have different experiences of this. And I want to leave you with this quote that says... The worst guilt is to accept an unearned guilt. Like we said in the episode, if you're feeling guilty, ask yourself, what did I do wrong here? Did I actually do something wrong? And I hope that it will help you to be freer from the false guilt or the unnecessary or unhealthy guilt that can just sit on your shoulders. Thanks for listening to Brave Together podcast. Please share the podcast with other mothers who are in the trenches of motherhood and are in need of some resources and inspiration. And if you are enjoying our podcast, please donate to keep it going. You can go to our website, wearebravetogether.com and go to the donate page. Any amount makes a difference. And if you are a mom out there and you've not joined the community of We Are Brave Together, go to that same website, wearebravetogether.com and fill out the little pop-up form and just know that we have a chair waiting for you. This tribe and this community is for you.